Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown and welcome to Saida Brown On Demand, my personalized audio series to just help you get ahead in life, in business, and just live more successfully, exploring all of the opportunities and possibilities that life has to offer. I'm so excited that you're joining me today. Today's lesson is entitled, Accept Your Assignment, Accept your assignment, and this definitely falls within the category of extreme leadership, extreme leadership. I will share with you, I uh, reluctantly (laughs) accepted my assignment. It wasn't something that um, I was really willing and wanted to do. You know, I, I talk with a lot of business leaders every single day and entrepreneurs every single day in every sense of the word. And as I've developed uh, my consulting company, Cy Brown Strategies, over the years, I've always questioned, are you self-employed or are you running a business, a company? And I think that that separation, that, that noted line of demarcation is so important because there's two different mindsets that go along with it. And quite often when we say we're going to start our own business, we don't realize that we're really just self-employed, meaning we are earning a living for ourselves while we're here. On the flip side, I am self-employed or I run a company. The critical piece that I have found over the years is organizational structure and development as well as leadership. Those are the two pieces that I have found just even looking at the chinks in my own company and my own business you know, early on when I first started, that there was just an organizational piece that was missing on top of the fact that I really did not want to be a leader. And regrettably, I'm saying that now, but, you know, when I, when I first started uh, my, com- my first company many, many years ago, you know, it just didn't make sense. I'm like, well, I just as long as I'm self-directed and as long as I can control what I do, then I should be okay not understanding that the people that I work with as well as the people that uh, my, my clients, they all needed to be directed. You know, you can't tell people what to do, but you can nudge them just like a shepherd. And it starts with how they treat you. People, you know, your life is going to be a mirror. So if you treat your clients and your peers and your staff a certain way, that's how they're going to treat you back. And when you assume a leadership role and a leadership position, which is exactly what happens when you say you're going to start a business, certain fundamental things must take place. 
And if they don't, you know, you may be successful for a, a, a minute, for like a hiccup. But what's going to happen is there will be chinks in your armor, um, there will be flaws in your business model, and you will not be as prosperous um, as you as you actually think you can be. And and a lot of it comes down to fundamental leadership. And I know for me, God has been dealing with me for many, many years, since I wrote my first book, From Hip Hop to Heaven, um, about really um, taking a leadership role for humanity. And that's something I didn't want to do. I went kicking and screaming. But I have finally, here we are, 2011, and my first book was released in 2004. You know, it took about a year to write it. So from 2003 to now 2011, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 8 years. (laughs) 8 years to finally say, you know what, I'm going to rock with this. But it was the, the, the missing component. I'm telling you in the most honest way I can, was leadership. I felt as long as I directed myself and I had my to-do list taken care of, everything would fall into place. And I that couldn't be further from the truth. So in exploring uh, my own performance and exploring the financial performance of my company and exploring the performance of my team and that of my clients and my peers, it all boiled down to leadership. And when I explored what was the missing component, the sub-issue, even within leadership, it was the fact that I did not want to fully embrace and accept my assignment. Once you decide to become a leader, you can still say, okay, you know what, I'll lead, I'll read leadership books and, and all of these things. But at the very essence, at the very core of it, you have to be willing to accept your assignment and all things that go with that assignment. From soup to nuts, top to bottom, 360, all the way around. Accept your assignment. So now with that, especially since I come from a a strong background of faith, I took it right to the Bible. I'm like, okay, God, I know there's got to be some answers all up and through, (laughs) all up and through here somewhere. And there were. You know, I believe no matter what your faith or no matter what your religion is, the Bible is an amazing book. Some people believe that it is the unadulterated word of God. Others believe that it's a great history book. And others use it as a, you know, kind of moral compass, if you will. But at the end of the day, you need to read it. (laughs) I'm telling you, any leader needs to have a Bible because there's such great nuggets of wisdom and a wealth of knowledge contained within these 66 books. No matter what your faith is, no matter what you believe, there is good information. So I, I took it straight to the Bible. I'm like, okay, what does God's word say about me accepting my assignment and becoming the leader that I know I'm supposed to be? Now, for those of you who have your Bible, I strongly encourage you um, to pick it up. For those of you who don't, uh, you may want to hit pause, go grab one. Or for those of you who are listening live online, just you can go right to any concordance. You can go to Bible.com, um, you know, to make it nice and easy. But um, I actually happen to have my Bible with me, and I use the New International Version. The Amplified Bible is a very, very good Bible to use as well. The King James, in my opinion, is a little difficult to read and a little difficult to actually apply to your life. Uh, But you know what? You have to do what suits you well. 
So uh, for those of you that have your Bible or are, are following online, please turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 36. The book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 36. Right here is the first piece, the first component that I needed to embrace when I fully accepted my assignment. And you know what that was? I don't have to know everything. <laughs> you don't have to know everything. You know, I, I do a, a workshop. I do, well, you know, Cy Brown Strategies does a host of workshops all throughout the year. And, you know, I encourage my, my business uh, attendees that they need to go live at sea level. Go live at sea level. George Bush was our president and he was a C student. Go live at C level because you want to, most of us want to get to the B level or we want to go at A. We want to do everything, peak performance right out the gate. But you know something? Ugh, you're never going to know everything. You're never going to know everything. And that's hard for perfectionists such as me to grasp. But when it comes down to accepting my actual assignment of what I'm supposed to be doing uh, until they put my body in a box, I had to fully grasp and accept the fact that I'm not going to know everything. And that can be found, you know, we're looking for backup and proof to help us uh, accept our assignment and become the leaders that we really ought to be. The book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 36, and the word of God reads as follows. <clears throat> no one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. That scripture, that verse shares with us that nobody is going to know everything. Let me read it again. The book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. That tells us you're not going to know everything. I don't care how much you try, how much you think you know, how I wake up in the morning and literally roll over, thank God for another day, and pick up my PDA, my smartphone, and it goes right to the New York Times. And I start reading the Times, and then I read Huffington Post, and I read Washington Times, and LA Times, and then I start reading my blogs because I want to be brought up to speed about overnight events and things that have happened. But you want me to tell you something? It's really my sick way of trying to know everything about everything. I don't want to be caught in a conversation or a business meeting or out at the grocery store, and I don't know what people are talking about. And it took me a long time to accept the fact I'm not going to know everything. And that was very difficult for me. I was always considered the smart girl in school and ask Saida. So I always put this coat on that I had to know everything. So I spent, and I still do to a through large measure, trying to know everything. But you know what? When you accept your assignment and decide to move forward and be the leader that you're supposed to be, you really need to accept that you're not going to know everything. You're just not. You're not going to know everything. You're not going to have all the answers. Even if you think you, you will have all the answers, it's not going to happen because the Bible tells us that only God knows. Only God actually knows. Nobody knows. I'm going to give you another supporting scripture. Um, you don't have to necessarily turn to it, but you can write it down. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 7, it reads as follows. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And that comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 7. So I can go through the Bible and give you countless scriptures that just 
bring home my point that you don't need to know everything. And once you get to the place where you don't, when you realize you don't need to know everything, it becomes a little bit easier to lead your people. You have to trust that the same instincts and intuition that you were given to go forth in your assignment will continue to be poured into you. It will be continue to be poured into you so you can go forth and move ahead. And as you move ahead, you need to understand that you can't be afraid of what's ahead. Do not be afraid of what's ahead. Fear will debilitate you. Fear will stop you in your tracks. Fear will keep you from moving ahead, and you will just not be able to move. You'll get to a certain place, become so afraid, and then you stop. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Ruth. Ruth is in the Old Testament. The book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 15. The story of Ruth is a beautiful, beautiful love story, but there's there's little nuggets in, in, contained within the story of Ruth that... Let us know for sure we don't ever need to be afraid of what's ahead or a better chance. Sometimes if you don't take a chance, you're never going to know. My husband was telling my son, you know, my son is a teenager and he's looking for a job, and he said to him, you know, if you walk by and you see a help wanted sign, there's two things that can happen. You can either walk in and they say no, or you can walk in and they give you a job. But you can't be afraid. And so a lot of times we psych our own selves out because we're afraid of what's ahead. So so follow me now in the book of Ruth, which is in the Old Testament, chapter 1. Ruth, the, the beautiful story of Ruth, let me give you a quick backstory. The, the beautiful story of Ruth was that Ruth was committed to Naomi and also Naomi's God and nothing would dissuade her uh, from following her mother-in-law to Judah. She was not questioning where she was supposed to go. She didn't know what she was supposed to be doing, and her firm commitment drastically, drastically changed her life for the best. And God honored her when she became the great-grandmother of, of King David. So the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 15, I'll read it. It's, it's, uh, it's very, very short, and it reads as follows. As they wept again, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. That's the position that we almost have to take. Let me correct that. That's the position that we need to take once we accept our assignment. We cannot waver. Either way, Ruth was totally committed, like, yo, I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm out of here, and I'm not wavering. It, it, it says right there, she had an opportunity to go back. Verse 16 says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized, like, yo, she is, she's on point. <laughs> Like, there's no way I can change her mind. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. That's exactly what happens. When God realizes and sees that we're going to stop kicking and screaming and fighting, the world opens up. You dig where I'm, where I'm going with this? 
Don't be afraid of what's ahead or a better chance because once we accept our assignment, we become the leaders that we need to be and we do it willingly and God sees that this person is determined, the world opens up. We accept our assignment, we move forward, we accept what we have, and now it's time to actually move on and navigate our assignment once we've gotten used to it. Because now we have said in our minds, okay, this is what I need to do. I am not wavering, I'm not deviating, I'm staying on point. Now what do I do? We have to now, once we accept our assignment, take a big picture, a panoramic picture of what we have and how we can make it work as we move forth on our assignment. Turn with me, if you can, um, to the book of Second Kings. And for those of you who can listen to this, um, who are listening to this on download, you can hit pause uh, and turn to Second Kings in your Bible. We're turning to chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Again, that is the book of Second Kings. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. When we accept our assignment, we need to understand we have to work with what we have. We may want to be on fire for the Lord, and we are going to go forth, and we're going to rock, and we're going to, you know, proclaim. And even if your job is not in ministry, even if you decide to open up a coffee shop, that's your prerogative. But once you accept that, you have to own it, put that coat on, and wear it 360. But now you have to learn to work with what you have. Business loans are not available right now. Family support is thin. Support from your friends may be thin. You have to learn as you accept your assignment to work with exactly what you have in your quote-unquote house. And here's a scripture to actually back that up. We're in the book of Second Kings, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Follow me on this one. Here's a story, and, and you can read this on your own. I'm trying to give you uh, just pieces here where um, Elisha's ministry um, to the widow, uh, you know, they were saying, listen, here's something that you need to do, um, but, but, but you have to make this sacrifice. So we're, we're going to start reading from uh, chapter 4, verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. The servant, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Follow me on this one. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all of the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Do you see how we have to work with what we have? We have more than we think we have. A lot of times we don't think so. We look around and we see what we see every day. It, it, it's, you know, you can subscribe to the old adage, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I just put a beautiful fireplace in my house that I found that somebody who was remodeling their house, they had it for years, didn't want it anymore, and I was able to take this fireplace, put it in my house, and now it is absolutely stunning. It didn't cost me a nickel. Now for Christmas, I have a beautiful hearth. I will have a beautiful hearth set up 
for stockings, by the tree. And this is something that somebody had that was absolutely stunning, but they're just remodeling and don't want it anymore. We have to learn as we accept our assignment to use what we have because now as we move forward, we understand we don't need to know everything. We already know we just have to not be fearless. Now we start working with what we have, but now how do we sustain this? How do we sustain the momentum that we're actually building? And one of the ways to sustain the momentum and keep us on track when we get tired and our feet get tired and we grow weary is to fast and pray, is to fast and pray. I do it as often and as frequently as I'm humanly possibly able to do (laughs) uh, because it should not be taken lightly. But fasting and praying is very, very important. Turn with me, if you can, in your Bible to the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verse 6 through 14, I'm going to read. But listen to this. The purpose of fasting is to heighten your sense of discipline and your connection to God. Uh, in, in chapter, in verse, I'm sorry, in, in, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verse 4, it says, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other within wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. It has to come from a sincere It has to come from a sincere and deep place. Uh, Verse 6 through um, verse 14 reads as follows. It is not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. It is not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. That's the purpose of fasting, to sustain you on your assignment. To sustain you on your assignment. In addition to the need to be sustained on your assignment, there's things that come with that. You all know when when people see you doing well, what do they do? They try to set you up. They try to set you up, right or wrong. They try to set you up. You're doing your thing. You're rocking your lane. You want to do the right thing, whatever your business is. But you know what? You need to accept the fact that there's going to be times where you actually get set up. And it sucks. It actually sucks. And it's happened to me. For those of you who have followed me, you've seen the trials I've gone through. I've set up huge movements and people come and try to sabotage them. And it's really knocked the wind out of me. And that's when I had to go back in and fast and pray to be sustained through my, through the fulfillment of my assignment. The book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, this is very important because we need to understand that you're going to get set up. You are going to get set up. But once you understand you're going to get set up, it makes it a little bit easier to make it through. When you can, read the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 1 through 9, repeatedly on your own. I'll read it today, but I want you to understand and read it on your own because this, you need to understand when you start doing the right thing and you start rocking your business and you start doing really well, people are going to come at you. We call them haters. They're going to come at you. The book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, reads as follows. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, which, um, as a quick sidebar, would be uh, like a world leader or a governor who is um, heavily influenced by a superpower, and they kind of act as a surrogate. Um, 
It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, when three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And this, and the administrators tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. You see what's getting ready to happen? In his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators went as a group to the king and said, oh, King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, perfect advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue a decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention, O king, to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Does that not suck or what? Here's this guy. He didn't do anything. (laughs) He's just doing what he does. But you need to understand as you accept your assignment, you're going to be set up. You're going to be set up. It's a fact and it's going to happen. So I strongly encourage you to accept right now that as you fulfill your assignment, the mandate that's been placed on your life, you will be set up. And the only thing you can really do is continue to give thanks. Follow me on this one. As a leader, once you accept the fact that you will be a leader and you're not afraid of what's ahead and you work with it with what you have, be it a lot, be it a little, and you pray and you fast and you build a sustainable path to excellence, you need to know people are going to set you up. Just as they did with Daniel. Daniel didn't do anything. They literally plotted to find something against him just so that he couldn't become ruler of the kingdom. And you need to understand that that's going to happen as a leader. People are going to nip at your heels for no apparent reason. The only thing you can do is continue to use your talents. The book of Romans 12, 6 just says, use your talents. Use your talents towards excellence. Use your talents to to change humanity. Use your talents to glorify God. Use your talents to glorify yourself. The only thing you can do is use your talents, meaning continue to stay on your path. People are going to nip at you. You're going to grow weary. Never grow weary from well-doing. You're going to become tired. You may become cranky, and that's okay. 
but a true leader knows how to persevere in all things. Just give thanks and stay on your path. Thank you so much for listening to today's lesson. Again, my name is Saida Brown. My company is Cy Brown Strategies. You can learn all about what I do and what I do for my clients when you log on to www.saidabrown.com, S-A-I-D-E-H-B-R-O-W-N-E.com. Please follow me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Cy Brown. And you can also um, join me on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Cy Brown today. It has been a pleasure for me to share this lesson with you today. I hope it blesses your life and changes you and encourages you to accept your assignment and be an even stronger leader. Always remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you soon. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.